everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am your host, Brent Smith. Um, and today, uh, as we promised last week, we were getting back into um, more of your questions, more of the You Asked For It series continuation on the podcast. So once again today, I'm joined by Daniel Yelverton, Pastor Daniel, uh, Michael, and Pastor Phil. So the four of us are back again. Um, guys, we thank you so much Boys for... back in town. <laughs> I mean, can, we, can we play that? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I could probably put a little clip in there. There we go. Every one of us oh, waved. A little post production. We did. Yeah. Did you guys? Wave? Yeah, we yeah, did. I'll feel special because you waved at me. Um, but guys, we thank you so much. We got a lot of great feedback about the podcast last week. We really enjoyed switching it up and getting out of the a chapter a day a little bit and just getting into something else for a while. Um, not that we don't love the chapter a day, but it's just nice to freshen things up every once in a while. And um, we did get some really great comments and really great feedback from people. Um, about uh, how the podcast went last week and, and about how, not just the podcast, but about um, how the You Asked For It series, how we're doing this, we're taking your questions, we're answering things that you want to know, um, how, how effective that really is. So guys, we thank you so much for your feedback and we ask that you continue that with all the stuff that we're doing here because we as a church, we as a podcast, we want to get better and we want to... Um, fulfill your needs more for you. So it, when you feed feedback your stuff to us, it lets us know kind of what we can do to better serve you guys. So um, anyway, we are back to you asked for it. Um, is there anything that you guys want to do out of our standard format, any kind of a setup for what we're doing, any kind of a context that you feel we need to do, or do you want to just get right into questions? I'll throw today? something out there. Um, as I looked at some of these questions, and this is something I say on the podcast all the time. Uh, one thing that I think a lot of these things could benefit from is is remembering, don't just take one verse. <laughs> Look at the context of where that verse fits. Look at the, the cultural and historical context if you can. Um, sometimes we make the Bible and we make God say things that God's not actually saying. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be really careful as we read through these things to, to look at the context. Can you give us real quick, just for almost a little comic relief, can you give us the reference that you... Uh, yeah, brought the, up before to us. Yeah, I always forget whether it's Luke four or Matthew four. Yeah, but you know, the, you had the temptation of of Jesus. Jesus is being tempted by Satan, right? And and there's a, there's a part in there where it, <laughs> the Bible says in a verse something to the effect of, you know, if you if you if you worship me, I'll give you all these things, or I'll give you everything, right? Yeah, and that's where Satan is tempting Jesus with that, and I, I no joke saw a Christian calendar that like one of those little day by day calendars that you flip through it, and on the date it quotes that verse as if like it's a promise to us, like from if God. you bow yeah. down and worship me, I'll give you all these things, and it's like no, dude, that was that was Satan tempting Jesus. These were words of Satan, not words of God, and of course the point is that that if we take a single verse out of its context, we can do stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I think um, uh, just to kind of intro why we did this series, and it's centered around uh, James 1.5, and I'll just do it briefly because we did it uh, last week's podcast, and uh, as we've been doing the series, is that if uh, James 1.5 says that if you lack wisdom, all you need to do is ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. And so uh, this is what, if we lack wisdom, if there's something we don't understand, uh, James is telling us through the through the Holy Spirit that we should ask God that God is generous in His wisdom, and that He will give it to us, and He will not turn us away or rebuke us for asking a question, even if it's a question of doubt, a question of unbelief, whatever it may be. 
uh, it's important for us to ask because then we begin to explore and see more of who God is as he unfolds kind of the the answering of the question and even the wisdom that he gives us. But it says in the next verse, it says, but when you ask, make sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided, loyal, divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. And that's kind of more of when you're asking God for wisdom, know that you have to trust that his wisdom is supreme, right? You have to you have to put your faith that God is the one that's going to give you the answer to your question, not that God has to align his answer to what you really want. Um, because then you're just going to be kind of unsettled and very... Uh, I mean, it's kind of a fickle situation when really you're hoping that God aligns his will and his plan to your desires. Um, and so that's kind of the caution there. It's like, okay, well, if we if we look at these questions and we disagree with what maybe God says, and we're not saying that we have all the answers. Uh, we're saying uh, we're, as we're looking through Scripture and as we're reading and interpreting these things, we're just kind of opening up the conversation. But as God reveals maybe his plan and purpose and even just his wisdom in the situation, we have to trust God. We have to trust him uh, over maybe what our desires or feelings or inclinations may be. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into these questions, yeah. and um, we will just get started. So um, number one says, questions as to Matthew 5, verses 41 and 42. I work in an area with a large amount of homeless and drug addiction, uh, homeless people and drug addiction, and have so many ask for help, and I have prayed for discernment. How do you decide whether you are helping or enabling, and where do you draw the line? So first of all, give us um, give us Matthew 5, verses 41 to 42, so we have the context on this question for the listeners. I've, I've got that. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and do not turn uh, away uh, from those who want to borrow. Uh, and also another verse I think kind of goes along with this is Matthew 25 where Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. And he says basically all of these things. He says, uh, he says in verse 34, he says, uh, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a uh, drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into, my home, into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the righteous ones will reply, Lord, uh, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink or stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When uh, did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you do the, when you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you are doing it for me. Nice. I, I agree with you that, that um, those verses go together pretty good. I always love quoting Matthew 25. I think it's a big deal, you know. Yeah. That we that I mean, so let's be clear, we should help people, right? So let's not let's get let's get the big point out of the way first that it is good to help people, right? Um, but when I looked at, uh, I kind of thought of, of an interesting, you know, thought of a verse in in Matthew seven, um, about verse seven, like where he's talking about asking it will be given to you, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the actual passage, but one thing I noticed is that there are good gifts and there are bad gifts. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, so we talk about like, you know, how, you know, you as a, as a parent, you wouldn't give bad gifts to your children. You'd give good gifts to your children and how God, if we ask, he's not going to give you bad gifts. He'll give you good gifts. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I see that my thought process is we can give people bad gifts. Mm-hmm. Enabling yeah. is a bad gift. Yeah. 
And it may it may seem on the surface that it's a good gift because it might be a simple something as simple as money. Money can be a good gift to someone who who needs money and, and is is able at, to to use it at the right at the right place in the right time, you know, and not for the wrong things. Mm-hmm. But for someone that is addicted, it could be a bad gift that you could be giving them drugs, and that could be a bad thing, right? right. So then what do you do? So there's a challenge there because I would say in most cases, we don't know the people that well that we're giving gifts to, especially if people are begging or or they're homeless or they're asking for money. We don't really know them, right? And so I think maybe that's a part of it, maybe a part of of understanding because I think sometimes there's a – and let me just play like – not Satan advocate or just – we'll just say not – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just the opposing argument here is that like, you know – what if we give sometimes to people just because we don't want, we kind of want to just push them away and like, uh, like uh, keep them at arm's length. And so we give them whatever they're asking for just so they won't, we won't have to deal with them or we won't have to see them or we can kind of do it to kind of assuage kind of like our own guilt or feel like, you know, we're doing something. And so like, I don't know if that's going to be the case for a lot of people, but I think sometimes you just want to kind of, if somebody's bothering you, you just want to kind of just give them something to just kind of go on, you know, like, I mean, like, like my kids, my, I said, my son, he will just, he will just beat me down with his words. And when he asks for a marshmallow, he's been wanting marshmallows every morning for the past, like three weeks. So we have these giant marshmallows and every morning he wakes up and he says, I want a marshmallow. I want a marshmallow. I want a marshmallow. And I'm like, no, we're not say he lacks focus. Yeah, exactly. Or determination. And so, (laughs) uh, but anyways, but in that, like I could just say, okay, fine, whatever. I'll give him a marshmallow, give him a marshmallow, give him a marshmallow. But that's not really loving them at all. Right. That's just basically just kind of just giving it. So he'll stop bothering me, you know? And so I think that that's part of it. And like, you know, are we giving in a way that we're really hoping that this is going to really help them? Or are we just giving them so they'll stop bothering us? I have a hypocritical answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, as I say, not as I do. Because um, I'm not really awesome at budgeting, but I think probably a wise idea is to budget your giving to where you already know how much you're going to give. And that way you can prioritize it because, yeah. I mean, I could I could justify throwing my money in a river saying that maybe someone will maybe it'll get to someone. But that's that's hopeful and, and wishful. That's not wise. And you could do the same thing as you're walking, and I hate to be this way, but when you're walking in downtown Cincinnati, a lot of these guys that are panhandling, they have panhandling licenses, and they, they dress for the part. They're like actors, and sometimes they just go there to take your money, and they're not actually in need. But then there are some people who are in need, and you have no way to tell the difference. So maybe a wise you know, way is if you feel like, like say, for example, the homeless in Cincinnati is something that you've been praying about, and you feel like, man, I want to make a difference. Well, get a hold of an ethical organization that works with these people and donate to the organization. And yes, there will be some money that take that gets taken off the top. Yes, there are administrative things, and I get that. But you have a higher chance of your money making a difference than giving it to a guy who is doing it to make money. That that's not, or, or doing it for an addict that's going to just go and get drugs with your money. I think I think going through the proper channels might be the best way. So, and look. This these scriptures come from the Sermon on the Mount. One of the big things that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount is your heart. It's not just the law. So that's why when I talk about looking beyond just a single verse, 
if you look at the entirety of, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is digging into your heart. Jesus wants your heart, not just your individual actions, not just your individual laws. That's why I think it's funny when he says in, in the scriptures that uh, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That should like cut us with the knife because I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and and Jesus is saying that to, 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 to cut us because he wants us to realize you can't meet all these expectations. I want your heart. Yeah. So my point in this little heart speech is that have your heart in the right place with your giving and, and prioritize your giving. God knows that your heart is in the right place if it is. And I think it's, but it is very important for us to know that one of the, one of the commands that we're supposed to have is to care for the poor. I mean, that is a, that was a huge aspect of the gospel. It is a huge aspect of the gospel is to care for those who are needy and care for the poor. I mean, just like we read in Matthew 25, but I think what's really interesting is that, when Jesus didn't say, you know, you help me. So you like, I needed help. So you help me. Like he went through specific things that there was the need. Mm -hmm. And so I think also that's another part of it is, is, is recognizing and understanding the need and then trying to meet the need. And with that comes relationship. Like you're not going to really know the need until you know the person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, handing somebody just uh, you know a couple dollars is probably may not be the thing that they need it may be but it may not it may be they need groceries and so maybe you know you take them to the grocery store you get to know them in the process maybe it's you know they need gas and so you give them you get them a gas card or something like that like there maybe they, they need clothes and you give them clothes you know all these things like there there were specific needs that people had you know, uh, and then they were met. And so that, that's another aspect too. Cause I think if we just kind of just toss money at people, one, we're, we're not getting to know the person that well, and we're not getting to know their need. You know, that's where I feel like that's, that's that kind of pushback that I had originally was that, you know, we're just kind of doing this to kind of say, okay, I'm giving, I'm giving to the poor and I'm just kind of, you know, giving them money and then kind of going on instead of really evaluating, okay, what is the need that this person really has and how can I pull them out of that situation and, and then help them follow Jesus now and be a part of the kingdom of God and be out of that bondage that they're in, whatever it may be. So go, that goes back, like we're saying the same things, like yeah. give, we should give people what they need, mm. not just what they want. Yeah. And I think that we're more commanded to give people what they need than what they want. Yes. And also know that there's a difference between good gifts and bad gifts. Like you said, Michael, I thought that was great. And so using the discernment wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know what's a good gift and what's a bad gift. So other words, with this question, you can say no, and sometimes saying no is the right gift. And that just that, that sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes not enabling person so a person is a gift. So you can say no if your heart is in the right place when you actually care for them and you realize no is the answer they need. Yeah. And you're never going to know for sure if it's the right thing. It's just you have to go with what your Spirit's telling you. I, I have uh, a few... Um, examples ex- or experiences of that. And one of the questions that I, I try to ask or tell them is, hey, I'd like to buy you a, a bowl of soup or um, lunch. Would you come with me? And if they're really in need for that, they will come with me. When they don't, that tells me they have other motives. And so sometimes just a question like that, or even just um, purchasing a gift certificate or a Kroger card or something like that and give it to them is going to meet a food need for them. So, yeah. All right. So we'll move on to question number two here. 
Um, this one was a, a long question. I'll read the part that we have here that's the core of it that they want an answer to, and then I'll give you a little bit more of the context with it just so you know where we're coming from here. Um, but number two says, as Christians, and assuming that there's no medical issues with us that would prevent us from doing so, are we required and commanded to have children? Um, a little bit more of this. Great question. Yeah. A little bit more of this question was um, basically this is coming from the point of view of someone who is um, single, is, is out in the world, and is, is meeting people and dating and things like that, and keeps coming across this question of, of having kids and, and says that they find that they are kind of the odd one out when they say, I don't want to have kids. You know, and, and um, so what do you guys think about that? <laughs> pick me, pick me. <laughs> so, so. In the Old Testament, yeah, sure, we, we have the, and, and they're trying to populate the earth. But I don't know if you guys know, there's like seven billion dudes on the earth now. Well, men and women, I guess. I was going to say. But, you know, <laughs> there, there's, there, there, there are seven billion, you know, people on this planet. We've done a pretty good job of populating the earth. So, like, God's commands were fulfilled. Good job, guys. <laughs> so, so and that's why we have, you know, a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't have to get into all of that, but I want to jump in there, though, yeah. Michael, real quick, um, just to add to that, is even when you're talking about the Old Testament, and I agree with you, that's exactly the purpose. Uh, God was talking to a people group. Yeah. Not specific, hey, you, Michael and someone else, or hey, you, this couple, or hey, you, this. It was, hey, Israel. And now we My have a people. different situation that now right. that, that, that the Israelites and the Gentiles, even you, Brent, um, all oh, of us, thanks, you know, uh, all of us are, are accepted in this <laughs> oh, thing. And God. the way, and the way that we can multiply is right. not through having babies; it's through spreading the gospel. So mm. our multiplication has changed, and and since it's changed in the New Testament, we see Jesus. And I always forget which chapter. I want to say it's like Matthew fourteen or nineteen. I forget, but he talks about this interesting thing. He talks about eunuchs. Phil and I have talked about eunuchs before because it's a, just an interesting thing that Jesus. I'll get there in a minute, but, but he talks about eunuchs and he says like, there are people that are born that way and there are people that choose to, to, to have that happen to them so they can have a different level of service. And there are people who live that way. So what am I talking about? Living as a eunuch. What is a eunuch? And basically this boils down to someone who does not have children that they cannot have children or they choose not to have children, but whatever the case is, they're living a life that's single. They're not having sex. So I'm not saying to this person, you know, that you can never have sex. So don't you can't get married. But here, here, what I am saying that singleness is a gift, and Jesus supports that gift when he talks about eunuchs. Paul repeats that same yeah. kind of message. Paul basically yeah. says that being single is a gift. So he it, himself was single. He didn't have kids. Jesus was single. Paul was single. So like, if these things are okay. I, you know, if you're single, you're not going to have children if you're doing things the right way, right? So it's okay to not have kids. It's okay to not get married. It's okay to be celibate. These things are fine. And, and not only are they just okay, they can be celebrated. And that's one thing that I have a, as a kids director, it's something that, that I've, I have a problem with in our society is that we put so much pressure on adults to just go have kids. Mm-hmm. Some, some human beings... They 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 have a higher purpose, and that higher purpose has nothing to do with children. Right. You know, there is a scripture verse that says, "To whom much is given, much is required." And yes, children are a yes. gift. They are a blessing. Lauren and I, we waited eleven years to have kids, and um, we lived with a 
we lived life with a lot of couples, 90% of them had kids Mm -hmm. and we felt this pressure, this peer pressure. Even I had some conversations with some godly men who were just really trying to put the conviction on me that we were supposed to have kids right away. And that's just not where our hearts were. Lauren said she didn't want kids. And so we just, we embraced what God had for us in those moments. And we would never regret it in a million years of waiting that long, but we would never regret having the two children that we have as well. And they are a gift, but they're also a responsibility. Absolutely. And honestly, some people just aren't ready. We weren't ready uh, earlier on in our marriage to give our kids what we're ready to give them now. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. And Nicole and I, we were together for about 11 years before we had Riley as well. Um, And I'm, you talk about peer pressure, moms, mother-in-laws. Oh my goodness. Cut it out. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> that oh, was the worst yeah. pressure. Every time, when are you giving me a grinket? Yeah. When you, can you chill? When we're ready, we'll give them to you. Uh, I wouldn't even but, say grandpas. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's grandpas. Yeah. Because yeah. my dad was, yeah. Anyways. Um, hi, dad. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that you guys got to that though, because uh, the last part that I forgot to mention when I set this question up that they said was, I've met plenty of people that seem to have had their kids, kids simply out of the idea that they are obligated to do so. Mm-hmm. I will say this, with the question being cleared that you do not have to have children if you do not feel called to do so, do not have children if you are not wanting children, if you do not feel like you are supposed to have children, because more often than not, those people end up not being the best parents because they just are frustrated at their kids and they're tired of the obligation. They're tired of the fact mm-hmm. that I didn't want this anyway. They resent you know? them. Exactly. They resent their own children and that's not going to make you a good loving parent mm-hmm. that, that raises up another person that's going to be a good loving person and parent as well. And that can begin generations of, of problems in damage. And, uh, yeah. And within your family and in your lineage and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So yeah. And, and this, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. This societal pressure, that we have to have to like be in a relationship and has have kids this 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 moves into another topic that i'm not going to spend time on because phil has preached in like an entire sermon and done an entire podcast and stuff on this stuff but the homosexuality issue just real quick we pressure people into getting into relationships Mm -hmm. right so if someone has an attraction from the opposite sex they think oh no Everybody's pressuring me to get into a relationship, so I just have to go hop into a relationship, and I have an attraction that's different, so I just have to go get a boyfriend. No, no, you don't. Being single, being celibate, is a gift that we can celebrate. You, you realize that, and I, that's why I want to go back to these these scriptures and this this idea. Do you realize how much you can do for Christ when you're single? Now look, I yeah. love my wife, I love my kids, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, you know that that these are bad things, but you know, God may use your body to call you into something higher. You 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 may you you may be in a situation you realize, wow, okay, being single is the best option that I that I have in my life right now, and man, can I glorify God in this. Uh, I have I have total freedom. I have nothing tying me down. Think about Paul and the things that he accomplished. Yeah. When, when you live that kind of life, you could be a missionary on fire. I have a friend who's a missionary on fire, Jerry Cook. Yeah. She's single, and she is doing ridiculously awesome things for, for, the, for God. And, and being single is a part of that. So I think that we need to be careful with this pressure because I think some of this pressure causes some very dark things in our society. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we, we're kind of dancing around a lot of different things here. And I think one thing that 
it's good to talk about is just just contentment in general, right? Because I think that we can use kids as a, as a means to try to get contentment in life. We can use relationships as a means to try to get contentment in life. We can use uh, even like idolized singleness as a way of like trying to stay content or trying to use that as happiness. And, and all of these things are means like every season that God has for us is an opportunity for him to use it for his glory. Right. So in my life, when I was single, he was using that for his glory. Yeah. I was able to lead like several small groups. I was leading several ministries at my church. I was volunteering and I was working full time. So I was able to do a lot of different things that I can't do now, now that I'm married. But now that I'm married, I have two children that I'm able to really pour into. And I'm able to live out some of what Jesus wanted us to exemplify in the husband and wife relationship about how he loves the church and how the church responds to Christ. Now, does that mean that people that are single don't get that opportunity? And, and that's that's where I say, like, we, we can't just focus well, on the more physical. What is your calling? No. Are, you, are you called into a family or are you called into this singleness? Or or even just that that our impact goes way beyond the physical. I mean, like even in Isaiah, so this is old Testament says like, you know, sing, Oh, childless woman, which is like childless woman, which means like the the woman that's never given birth. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like so uncommon in the old Testament because Mm -hmm. uh, kids were everything. Kids were your legacy. If you couldn't have kids, you were seen as cursed. You were barren. I mean, it was so much shame involved in it, which there's still a lot, even to this day where we get some issues like that. But what he's saying, what Isaiah was saying is that that you're going to make an impact, enlarge your house because you're going to be able to have spiritual children. Yes. And that's the thing that we get to, we get the opportunity now through the family of Jesus to make a spiritual impact. So this, to this listener, I would say it's not that you need to have physical kids to be in alignment with what Jesus has. But if you're able to make a spiritual impact and be spiritual parents and spiritual mentors to other people, then you are doing exactly what God commanded us to do back in Genesis one, which was be fruitful and multiply, Mm -hmm. which is the original command that we get here. And when you're reproducing yourself spiritually into other people, you're doing exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. So it, so it's not all about the physical. Really, the spiritual is so much more important. Mm-hmm. Even though I physically have children, if I don't spiritually pour into them, then I'm going to be a bad parent. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so to spiritually pour into people <laughs> and to make, uh, like Paul, Paul was a spiritual father to so many people, to so many men, like Timothy was his son. He wasn't Mm. his actual son, but he was his spiritual father, and that was his spiritual son, and the impact that that he was able to have because of that. And so we can't just sit there and idolize the family unit. The family unit's awesome, but if the family unit's not pouring and multiplying itself spiritually, then it's not doing what it's called to do. And singles, if you are not multiplying spiritually, you're not doing what God has called you to do. And so I think that's where it is really more important and the pressure then falls off when we're able to do that because not only are there people that don't want to have kids, there's people that can't have kids, mm-hmm. right? And so for the people that can't have kids, that can be such a hard thing to go through. Oh my through, goodness, yeah. You know, and, and we know several people that can't have kids and they've just, it's been a, just a process of shame and different things that they've had to go through. Mm-hmm. But this is this is hope for all of us because we can spiritually multiply by just spending time pouring into and replicating ourselves into other people uh, by showing them Jesus and walking with them as they are following Jesus. And, and so that broadens the ability for us to have a legacy impact beyond just the physical. All right. So uh, the next two questions, number three and number four, they tie together. So I'll read them both and then we'll get into them. We can answer three first and then go into four, but they just tie together. So I'm going to read that real quick. So number three is if you commit suicide, will you go to heaven? 
And then number four is, if someone who uses drugs dies from an overdose, is that considered suicide? And if so, will they go to hell? I'd like to start just with scripture, because I think um, there's quite a few scriptures uh, that refer um, to being dead in our sin. Because suicide, obviously, in Exodus 20 and 21 is is a grave sin, and it's equivalent to murder. Yes. So let's just set that on the table there. But then let's now look at what Christ has done for sin, especially for those who believe uh, in Christ and has received him as Lord. So when you were dead in your transgressions, uh, this is Colossians 2, verse 13 through 14. When you were dead in your transgressions, your sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh— he made you alive together with him, Christ Jesus, having forgiven us of all trans- transgressions. So let's all say all, all, oh. all, all of our sins have been forgiven. That means your past. That means your present. And that means your future. Yep. And uh, they've been canceled out of the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And it's just basically saying he took our shame on the cross. So that being said, okay, sin is forgiven. Um, The question is, a genuine believer growing in a relationship with Christ is going to want to follow uh, what God has and not live a life continually in sin. But let's just be honest. Uh, The enemy wants, he's just seeking to devour Christians. He's seeking to steal their joy, to kill their joy, um, to to, to lie to them, to to entrap them. And uh, we we live in a society that is led by anxiety, fear, worry, shame, guilt, discouragement, disgrace, self-harm, you name it. So when someone starts to believe those lies, even though they're a believer in Christ, just like all of us, we can start to believe lies and we're, we're going down a path of discouragement, of lack of joy, of insecurities, whatever. And so when we get to a place um, of that darkness and that discouragement, it can be easy for even a believer, a child of God, to begin to believe those lies. And when you believe those lies, then everything else follows that. So, Michael, I'd love to hear your input because I kind of know a little bit of your background sure. history. So, Well, you know, when I, when I read this question, I realize that as people hear this question, they're going to be reading it from one of two lenses. One is if, that, if someone that I know commit suicide will they go to heaven mm-hmm. and then someone else might be reading reading it if i commit suicide will i go to heaven and i think i think phil did a good job of tackling what happens to you if you know okay like if you're saved you're going to heaven okay so the theological stuff put aside i want to speak to the people that if i commit suicide will i go to heaven the people that are that would put i in there and I have been there, uh, you know, about 10 years ago now, I was uh, driving, I was here in Blanchester, I was driving down Second Creek Road, and um, I and I won't get into all the reasons why, but I got to a, a, a point in my life where I, I thought I might want to just end it. 
I thought about just take. I had a, had a little ninety uh, six Firebird, <laughs> and uh, and I, and I went through the gears, and I'm on going about one hundred and ten miles an hour on Second Creek Road, and I thought, you know, at the end of this thing, there's this. You know, Brent knows there's that um, there's that uh, pole, just to the left that when it when it crosses into sixty eight, mm-hmm. and I, and I had that thought if I if I just make this thing go as fast as this little V six will go, um, and veer off to the left. Could I hit that pole? And uh, that and that was a real moment in my life. Um, mm. but but in, in that moment, what made me downshift, what made me hit the brakes, at this point, it was it was I was I was having some things some issues with my relationship with God. So it, it wasn't even my my relationship with God at the point. It wasn't His fault. It was my fault, right? But. I thought, what happens if there's an oncoming car? Mm. What happens if I hit someone else and I kill them? So it was the thought of the other that that made me made me real. I stopped thinking about myself for a moment, and I don't want to try to try to say that it's selfish because I understand and I've been there, right? But the thing that can help us get through these situations is is, is to think of the other. That's what Paul says, and, and and I know this is controversial, but Paul, you know, when he in, in Philippians chapter one. Um, remember Paul was dealing with some crazy stuff, man. And he was thinking about the end and, and he says, you know, and, and at that moment that like, you know, man, I, I, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And like, man, what should I do? But then he says the reason why he decides to stay is for them. So the encouragement, my point, my encouragement is if you are thinking about the question of heaven and hell and suicide and you are contemplating suicide, I, I want you to to pause and reflect and think about other people. Mm. People love we love you. The, God loves you. There is so much that you can, and, and and I'm and I'm a, you know a survivor of this. Like God is able to use me because because I decided to stay. God can use you if you stay, and you can be such a blessing to people. So I just want to encourage people: if you're thinking about suicide, please think about the other, and please hang in there. And uh, and if you need to see me, come see me, and I would love to spend some time with you and talk with you. Yeah. And and it's such a it's such a heavy conversation because in a lot of ways, so many people have contemplated suicide. So many people have gotten to that moments of just depth of despair and self hatred, self loathing to think that life is better. Plant this planet is better without them. And and you you reference that verse, and I just want to read it real quick. Um, in Philippians one, it starts in twenty one, and this is Paul saying. He says, "For me, living." means living for Christ and dying is even better, right? So that sounds already kind of sketchy. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Exactly. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is by far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. And then uh, Paul says, knowing this, he's convinced that he's going to remain alive. And I think we get it when the lie of Satan is that we get those backwards, right? is that it's better for others if I leave. And Paul's saying, actually, it's, no, it's better for others that I stay. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's better for others that I, that I continue to live because I continue to have the impact. Because if heaven is the end goal, or if, if heaven is everything, then as soon as we receive Jesus, we'll just go to heaven. But, but we remain after, after a decision to follow Jesus because of the opportunity to bring so much great impact into people's lives and to, uh, and to be just this uh, uh, 
a billboard, a billboard for the grace of God. God says that he's, he uses us and he points to us when he talks to rulers and authorities about uh, an ages to come about us for his grace and mercy and his goodness. Mm-hmm. He points to us. And so I think that it's really important for us to know that uh, the lie from the enemy is that you, that life is better without you here. And that's not true. That, of course, it is going to be better for us to be with Christ, right? Because we're going to have everything. We're going to have our glorified body. We're going to have all. So it's actually better for us personally if we're thinking selfishly. And selfishly is maybe the wrong word. But we're, if we're thinking about our own best interests, sure. then it is better for us to be in heaven because we have everything. But but when we are here, we have the opportunity and the privilege to, to really make an impact on people around us, the others. You know, and so... That to me is when we start to switch that, that's when the lie of the enemy has started to take root. That it's better for us to leave for the sake of other people. Amen. Um, because being somebody that's not not only contemplated being in those moments of despair, but also having close friends that have committed suicide, it's hard for the others. It's so, so hard for the others. And, it, and the others are left with so many more questions than answers. And... Um, and I say that as just not to, 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 to discourage you or think like, oh my gosh, then I've got no hope or whatever. No, you, you have hope in Christ. Absolutely have hope in Christ. But just know that the lie that the enemy is trying to feed to you is going to try to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's trying to take away every moment and every opportunity that you have to better yourself, to better the people around you, and to, uh, to be a billboard for the goodness of the kingdom of God, right? And so... Um, this is just, it's a really heavy issue. And, and so like Michael said, if you ever, if you're having issues with that, please come Michael, myself, any of us, we want to talk to you about that because we, we don't want the lie of Satan to, to, to ultimately come to its completion in your life because you matter to God and you can make a huge impact for his kingdom here and make a legacy impact to your children and to so many others. I think too is I, I'm just going to make a generalization because I know each person who finds himself in that place, there's different backgrounds, there's different um, experiences, yeah. whatnot. But I think with the situation or the issue of suicide, that breeds nothing but hopelessness. People who tend to share about their experiences of hitting that rock bottom talk about there's no hope. They feel hopeless. It's dark, uh, no purpose, no significance. The thing about when we are in Christ, the one thing that really changes us is hope. Yep. So those who are grounded and their identity is in Christ, you have hope. And so if you are one of those people struggling with that decision of hopelessness and no purpose, I really encourage you to read Romans 8. I really encourage you to find hope, the only hope that will ever satisfy. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And when we have Jesus, there is this, the the hopelessness of our sin is dead and removed and the hope through Christ, the power of his forgiveness, the power of the resurrection that brings hope. So if you're in that dark place, just know that Jesus died to bring you hope. Mm. So, and that, that really hits number four, 
Uh, the, it does. That's it, what I was going to ask you guys. Because, yeah. you know, number four, just to refresh you, it says if someone uses drugs, uh, if they use drugs and die from an overdose, is that considered suicide? And if so, will they go to hell? Uh, the same answer that Phil just gave. Yeah. That, that it's whether whether OD and suicide are synonymous. That's just fighting over right. definitions of words or driving reckless, recklessly. Yes. And yeah. crashing and, and yes. dying. Yeah. It, it, those are just arguments over words. The, the bottom line here is, um, you know, if you are in Christ, you're in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Just cling to his hope. His hope changes everything. And I think that that with the drug addiction, uh, addiction to that. God has um, that whenever we take something and we try to find God in it, whether it's drugs, whether it's our work, whether it's the food that we eat, um, it has the ability when it's placed in the wrong place to eventually take our life. Like, I mean, mm. if you overeat and food is your comfort and food is your idol, you know, you'll probably not live very long, you know, or you have somebody that is like we have, I have relatives that have died because of basically diabetes because they won't change the way they've they, they eat anymore and they, they recognize that they're okay. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. And eventually they lose their life because of that. Right. Mm. And so I think you have to, I think we can really look down on people that are using drugs and they die from an overdose, but really, I mean, it all centers around when, when we try to find our hope in something other than Jesus, it's, it, it breaks yeah. my heart, right? It breaks my heart that it, that, yeah. it, that it will, that it can turn into something like this, right? And so, so this is not an opportunity for us to judge the people that are addicted to drugs or that have have died from an overdose. It should break our heart knowing that that there is, you know, that that they've misplaced their hope. Mm. They've misplaced their hope into something, into something else, and that something else took them down the road of of losing their life. You know, yeah. and for those who would who are listening, who would just say, "Yeah, that's that's me. I've been there, or I am there." Uh, I know Daniel and and Michael have already made themselves available, but man, I would love to even just share how I found hope Mm -hmm. and what hope has done for me because hope in Christ is everything. And also if you live here locally in Ohio, uh, Blanchester, we have a celebrate recovery that meets every uh, Tuesday nights and six 30 is when they start right when they have dinner when they start dinner and then yeah. seven o'clock the large group and it's not just an addiction program it's for anybody who's struggling mm-hmm. in life and wants to grow more uh in the hope that jesus provides yeah. absolutely okay so question number five uh we're gonna go from that heavy topic right to a really easy one <laughs> um, so i want you guys to answer this in 30 seconds or less yeah. sure um sure. nailed it why does a good god allow evil to exist <laughs> The oh, problem of evil. That's easy, right? Thirty seconds. Come on. Yeah, well, let, let me. Can I set up what the, what this question actually is, real quick? Yes. Th- th- this is a classic theological thing, and this and is a massive question on Facebook <sighs> and an argument on Facebook with faith for sure, like crazy. Yeah. And, and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the bottom line up front. There's not a great answer to this. Okay, the the answer to this question is is another question. Is do you trust God? So so having that being my answer. Let's set up this question. There are like four things going on. Does God exist? Is God good? Is God all-powerful? And does evil exist? The idea is one of those things has to go. If God doesn't exist, no problem. Evil exists, and we don't have to worry about whether God is powerful or good, right? If there's no such thing as evil, then everything's fine because God exists, and he's good, and he's all-powerful, and there is no evil. And, and But then you get into the, okay, well, if God is not all-powerful, he can be good, but just doesn't have the power to make everything right. 
And of course you have the last option is if God isn't good, then he's, he's powerful enough to eliminate evil, but he just doesn't. The problem is we know that God's good. We know that God's all powerful and we know that God is exists, but yet we also know what, because we open our eyes that evil exists. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the problem. And for me, the answer is that I trust God. I trust, and, and I know that this isn't a satisfactory answer, but this is just the truth that I trust God. I trust that God understands and knows more than I do. I trust that there might be things that, that even seem to be evil that, that have a, a better ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for example, um, I told you that I went through suicidal ideation, but because of that, I recovered. I went through counseling. I, I got on medication that I still take. But the but the win is that I've been able to influence people's lives, and I've been able, been able to have counseling. I've been able to help save people's lives. There are people that may have been dead if it wasn't for the fact that I went through that. You know, and and, and I've taught like almost forty two day, um, you know, classes about suicide prevention. The point is, is God has been able to use me because I went through suicidal ideation. So yeah. at the end of the day. I can look back. Now, this sounds crazy, but hear me. I can look back at 2009 when I wanted to kill myself, and today I can say that was a blessing from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it's evil in 2009, but in 2019, that's a blessing that God gave me. So when you have a different perspective of what God is doing, and we don't know all of the, all of the end. We don't know what God's going to do at the end of the day with every situation. Mm. That at the end of the day, the situation might be better. Mm-hmm. But we might have had to go through some what we consider to be evil, but it might be just pain yeah. for, for God to, to, to win. I, th- I think a big part of this is a word you just use. It's perspective. Yes. Because what you're saying is that out of some evil came much more good. Yes. Which means, and goes back to your uh, setup of this whole thing, is we have to trust that God knows better than we do. Mm -hmm. And that's what faith is. And and faith is is giving it up to him and trusting him and saying, hey, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I'm going to believe that your plan is better than mine because you're God and I don't know. You only get that perspective when you believe that he's real. And it, it and that's the question that you have to decide for yourself: is he real or not? And then it changes your perspective on the world. And I believe that the perspective of believing that he is real and that he is God and he knows all, it explains everything. Yes. And I know th- I know that we're kind of drifting from why evil exists. We're kind of going to uh, the redemptive qualities, um, what God can do. But it makes me think of Romans eight twenty eight. You know, where in all things, not all things are good. But in all things, God makes works together for good yes. to those who love him and are called to his purposes. And I just heard a, a, a message. Um, I, I'd be happy to provide the link uh, some other time, but from, from a, a preacher. And his, the title of his message, if you just YouTube this title, you'll find it, is The Blessing of Both. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the both in your life, the horrible, the challenging, the difficult, the what you would... What, what you would consider as evil done to you can always be turned to actually become a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, the greatest struggle can off, off, often lead to the greatest uh, victory yeah. in my life. Yeah. So, 
I want to kind of take an intellectual stance to this because I Ooh. think that the the problem of evil is uh, puts in question people ask like the existence of God. They're trying to figure out the existence of God through this whole problem of evil. And I think that that there is a couple things we need to proceed with caution with. One, we ought, we need to know that this is like a first world issue. This is not an issue all around the world that everybody has this problem with God's existence based on a, why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people kind of thing or why would a good God allow evil to exist. This is primarily an issue between in like North America, mainly United States and Canada and in Europe. It's not an issue that's all around the world. And so we need to one understand that, but two, this has nothing to do with the existence of God. That if evil exists, and there's a good God and he's all powerful. That has nothing to do with God's existence. What calls into question is it calls into the question, the justice of God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we have to then say, you know, we maybe don't trust God's justice. We, it's not a, it's not a question about whether he exists or not. Like, so I can be a really bad parent and I can make really bad decisions that, that don't really help out my kids at all that I could be, you know, even though I am a parent and even though I have the ability to make good choices, I don't make good choices. That doesn't mean I don't exist as a parent. That just means I'm a bad parent. Right. And so we can't use this and just say, okay, well then, because evil exists, God doesn't exist. Then see that that doesn't that doesn't make sense. That's really more calling in question the justice of God. Yes. And the existence. The other thing is that we need to be very careful about this, because in areas where evil is really happening, like really really terrible stuff, you'll find extraordinary faith, not extraordinary disbelief. Mm-hmm. And so what we can't do as first world people is we can't look at the evil that's going on in other people's lives and assume that we that they're going to come to the same conclusion that we have. We insult other people. We insult their experience when we say, "You, uh, I wouldn't believe in God if I was going through that evil. When they say, this evil is happening to me and it's actually deepening my faith and it's and it's changing my life, mm-hmm. right? And it's helping me deal with the suffering in the, in the present situation I'm doing. So what we can't do is we can't be so bold enough to take other people's suffering and come to our own conclusions. Yeah. So we have to be really, really careful with that. And like so Brent that, said, perspective. And so like... But if but this is a really emotionally charged question because there's people that have experienced suffering. They have experienced issues. And we talk about suffering. We talked about suffering two days ago on Sunday morning. Our, we're, our, so if you're listening today, tomorrow our, uh, our sermon is coming out when we talk about how to deal with suffering, how to deal with issues. So definitely tune into that. But I think this is like we can't just sit there and say, okay, a good God wouldn't allow, wouldn't allow all evil to exist, and so therefore he doesn't exist. That, that just doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't come to a logical conclusion here. And I know we're trying to use intellect here to de- decipher if God exists or not. And so I want to say that that doesn't really compute, right? And so with this, though, we have to then ask ourselves, okay, if this is, if this is about the justice of God, then that's when we start have to have to wonder, okay, God, can I trust you? Can I trust you that you can turn good things and evil, uh, you can turn evil things into good things? And the amazing thing, like Michael just shared, and I can even share in my own life, is that's absolutely happened. That God has taken evil things and he's turned it into good things. you got to think about it from the foundation of our faith was the most perfect man having the worst things happen to him. The greatest act of injustice was the foundation of our faith. And so if, if maybe we don't know what's going on in our situation and maybe we think that God is not fair and he is unjust, know that... The, what looked like the greatest act of injustice in the world was the salvation of all mankind. That's incredible. And so maybe, just maybe, God is up to something different. And maybe you might be able to take that suffering 
and he might be able to use it for an amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. So don't just kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater and say, because of my situation, I do not want to follow God anymore. Maybe just say, all right, God, I can't see it right now, but I have to, I'm going to try to trust you. Help me with my disbelief. Help me with my doubt and show me what you're doing in this situation, you know, and you may not see it. You may not see the results of that, but, but you know what? We can look back because faith is not just accept something blindly. Faith is, is, is based on the evidence of things not seen, but it's based on evidence. It's based on the fact that I have, I have hope that there's an evidence that something is going to happen, that something is going to take place. And so, so for us, we can look back and see the character and nature of God, that he has done so many good things out of evil things. Maybe that's going to be your situation too. Just maybe it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I like to look at it too. I think a big component of it is relationship and choice, free will when it comes to that too, because why does God allow evil to exist? Well, for a relationship to be worth anything, you have to choose that relationship. If you're forced into it, it doesn't mean anything. So for you to be able to make a choice, there has to be a choice, right? There has to be a black, a white, a good, a bad. So, in some context, I believe that God has to put us in this, not put us in this situation, but allow the situation that we live in today to have these things so that we can choose him and the relationship with him is worth it. Because yes, evil or not evil, heaven is where all the stuff is good, right? Where there is no evil, where God doesn't have any of that exist. But what is life? Life is the window that we get to experience things, to choose him or not. And I think a big part of that is why he allows that stuff to exist because we have to be able to make a choice for it to be a relationship that's worth having. Yeah, it's not too love unless it's a choice. If yeah. you're if you're forcing somebody to love you, that's that's slavery, that's bondage, that's not that's not choice, you know. Yeah. And so I think with free will comes the ability to choose, and people will choose awful things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and uh, but he can't. He, if you take away choice, then you take away the ability to to genuinely love God and to be in relationship with God and experience all He has for you yeah. based on the, your choice to experience that. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, we're at about the fifty minute mark right now. That's um, five questions total that we got through today. Um, we had some heavier topics to deal with today too, so we didn't get through as many as we did last week. Um, but uh, if I'm correct, are we going to do another episode of this to f- try to finish out with some questions next week? Yeah, sure. And we would. We want you to uh, also send in more questions. So if you have any other questions or maybe something you would like a little bit more clarity on, uh, feel free to email us. What's the, the email is contact at myelevationcc.org. Once again, that's contact at myelevationcc.org. Uh, so yeah, just send in, uh, send in your questions. We would, uh, we'd love to be able to answer more questions. So uh, we'll have some more uh, kind of coming up even from our church on Sunday morning. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to do them as we have more questions. Yeah. And, and notice that we're not reading names. So yeah, like, it's all anonymous. So, yeah. so don't, don't feel like, like you're going to be outed for something. If you have a question that you're really struggling with, that you've been afraid to ask someone, this is an awesome opportunity because yeah, it's not like I'm going to go tell you guys that Daniel had <laughs> asked a bunch yeah. of, no, if you'd like to text, um, when it comes through, it literally comes to our email and we just see a phone number. So it wouldn't even be your email address. And you can text that question to 937-754-5107. Again, that's 937-754-5107. 
Yeah, and if you guys would, um, please, I don't know how it works with the text. Uh, you'd have to put it in the body of your message somewhere, but please denote that it is for Weekly Impact, um, just so that we know that it's our listeners sending it in rather than um, questions that are wanting to be answered in the general sermon in the church. Um, we'll probably bring, if we have leftovers from that as well that we couldn't get to, we'll bring them onto this podcast, I would imagine, maybe. But um, just make sure that if you're sending an email, put it in the subject, in the heading or whatever, um, weekly impact you asked for a question or something like that or you can put it in the body of your email or in your text as well just so we know that that's something that you would like to have answered on this podcast if you're a listener because we know a lot of you out there are listeners that maybe don't attend this church so if it's something we answer in the sermon and you don't listen to our weekly sermon you won't even know that we answered your question so if you would if you're a listener to this podcast put that in here so that we know to answer it on this podcast so thank you guys very much once again that email is contact at myelevationcc.org and the phone number is one more time 937-754-5107 all right you guys so that's going to wrap us up for today um and know too that we didn't even get to all the questions that we had on our on our list today so we do have some already heading into next week but we would love to hear yours as well so um will somebody pray for us today to wrap us up and then we will close on up father thank you so much for this chance to just gather together Uh, to seek your face, to seek your word, and to hear from you. And I just pray for every listener that you would surround them with your peace through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you would uh, empower them to live their life for you through the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Phil. All right, you guys, and thank you for listening again. Um, Go out, spread the word about the podcast, if you would. If you like what's happening here, if the answers that we're giving and the questions that we're answering, you think those are productive and those are going to be good for other people to hear, direct them to this podcast, if you would. Um, That's not for us to gain popularity. That's for people to grow more in their relationship with Christ and to grow deeper in their faith and understanding of it. So that's what we're here for. Um, Hopefully you guys are enjoying this. But until next week when we talk to you, just go out there. As always, let the light of Jesus shine through you to the world um, because you never know what's going to happen. Holy Spirit can move through anything. So just go out there and be good to people and show them the love of Christ. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great week, guys.